I know everybody's been waiting. We are one week away from the kickoff special at Davis Kessler and Davis. I've already formatted it. I'm so far ahead of the game. I'm the king. Uh, did anybody get all the like 6,000 emails I sent today? How about you, Robbie Davis? Oh, yeah, I've got them. I'm, I'm, I'm making my way through them. Uh, I had court tonight, so I've been a little busy, but I'm making my way through them. Do you need any interpreter or anything? So right now we have multiple guests. The off-centered card show from Lyons, Michigan. Our boy Justin Thomas, the biggest Bobby Bowden fan ever and an ACC expert. Our boy Chappie, who is a member of Dr. Roto's team. You know, we did that basketball show with Chappie. Little did we know he would be the first star. I assumed it would yeah. be him, but I was wrong. Uh, I knew it. Friend Phil Harris and much, much more. And, Robbie, we will be at Davis Kessler and Davis God. next week. All right. Is, uh, and then if people, they're, they're Zooming or they're joining the studio. We don't really know, but, yeah, they can they can join the studio. We'll have some guests via studio and some guests via phone, but I've got the okay. phone taken care of. Okay. So well, it's next week. Sweet. Next Before week. my operation. Yes. 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 I'm stoked. Now we're bringing in the man that's always wait late, three minutes late today, the best he's done in a while. West Coast time. The man that runs on Indian Standard Time, Raj Matter. <laughs> well done. Hey, what's up, everybody? Yeah. Uh, perfect intro. IST reference. Very impressed. Very impressed. Uh, yeah. Excited, especially for next week. These guys were already trying to milk me for draft strategy stuff and maybe because i've only been in the league four years by the way the best league i've ever been in and been in the finals three of the four times and playoff all four times so i guess that's why they're asking me questions because both of them uh never never mind Between the three of us we have two championships we won't, <laughs> yes, we won't play who doesn't have one excuse the camera a dog messed it up but yeah uh My i guess dog. you're right we do my dog ate the camera my dog ate my fantasy championship. Yeah. So speaking of that, we have commitments from three members of the league. Brenda Chain, Criminal, and your arch nemesis, George Franklin's rap partner, Clipper Clay. Oh, gosh. I'm going to murder Clipper Clay. <laughs> I, I, I told Clipper. Hey, he's he allowed to come on? Do what? I didn't know he allowed to come on. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know. That, I have that's a wife reference. Detail. Love you. Uh, Sorry. A criminal will be drunk by then. I, I've never seen him sober at this time. So, big week heading into football season. We'll talk a little basketball, a little baseball tonight. But a lot of football talk tonight. And we start with the biggest story in the nation. My camera is jacked up. Let me see if I can get myself... You know, people want to see me. I'm so handsome. That's better. That was better for just a minute. You have um, a face built for radio. I have a face. That's <laughs> true. Hey, so, we do this every week. I don't know why you guys have such camera issues. <laughs> it's not on my computer, and I have a nice setup, and then my dog just moved it it's it's really elaborate let me tell I you i just don't know how to use my stuff 
the lead story tonight is a very serious one. College football lost a member of its royalty class. And when I talk about royalty class, I talk about the Bear Bryants, the Nick Sabans, those type of coaches. You know, we know there's a handful of them, but last week we lost Bobby Bowden. Robbie, you you for a long time before you grew as you grew up, you become a Tennessee fan. You were a huge FSU fan at one point. Mm-hmm. How was losing Bobby Bowden for that group your age? Had to be. He had to be the coach when you were going through high school. Yeah, and, and as you say, uh, I I grew up. I mean, obviously, I grew up in Tennessee. Grew up a Florida State fan. I went to many of games, both uh, in Tallahassee, in Gainesville, at Miami. Um, anytime they go to a bowl game, I I, I, wa- I was at the uh, Fiesta Bowl when Florida State lost the championship to Tennessee. I was at the oh. Orange Bowl when Florida State lost the championship to Oklahoma. I was at the Sugar Bowl when Florida State lost the championship to Florida. How's this uh, happen, one, Rob? One game I was talking about was the one that uh, Peter Wark uh, and the Seminoles beat Michael Vick in 1999 at the at the Sugar Bowl. So the, the one time I wasn't there, um, they won. So Which it, kind of kind of kind of much as me as a sports fan in a nutshell, as, as you can imagine. So did you um, go to that '98 title game as a Tennessee fan, a Florida State fan, or neutral? As a so I was 14, uh, and I would have been uh, as a Florida State fan. Oh wow! How'd you become yeah. a fan? Did your did your brother go there or something, or you just were no? Obsessed? Just uh, my youngest memory of uh, uh, football was. Deion Sanders of pick six and you know like the colors the uniforms just the bravada and just really liked it and and then so wanted to go there and then uh then you realized you were too smart yeah yeah and so I was like yeah maybe that's maybe a football team's not the reason to go go to college somewhere so I ended up going uh, to Tennessee which also is not the greatest school but it was in state so it's cheap um (laughs) Yeah, so I grew up, um, yeah, Bobby Bowden, I mean, he was just, you know, I wouldn't say necessarily larger than life, he was kind of down to earth and not really, um, I mean, there's not too much you did, couldn't like about him, you know, uh, not that he ran the cleanest program, there was obviously some off the field issues, but I mean, from, and I'll get into some stats later, but, um, but you know, putting players in the in the NFL, won the two championships. There was the you know the huge game in '93 where they lost to Notre Dame, and then came back and you know won the championship against a, a really good Nebraska team. Um, but yeah, I mean the players seemed to love him, and he put a lot of people in the in the NFL. And, and, and I let Raj comment. I think we we're going to talk about the diff the run they went on, um, and, and after this. But yeah, I mean just a winner, and uh, sad to sad to hear about his passing. So, uh, Raj, what did you – yeah, I mean, you were on the West Coast at this point. Was uh, Florida State a a major player in your head, or what, what was Florida State, you being in the L.A. area? Uh, as a Southern Cal guy, you know, SC had their moments in the 80s, but early 90s, not so much. I used to like kind of squint my eyes and pretend that Garnet was like our Cardinal in gold. And it was pretty close except for like, we had a horse, they had a horse. 
you know, the only difference was they were in the top five 14 or 15 years in a row, I think from 87 to 2000. And we didn't sniff the top five during that time. No, I mean, they were a powerhouse. And one game I'll never forget, people, these kids today talk about USC and Texas, which I was at, and that was a national championship. But the 93 Florida State-Notre Dame game is a game I'll never forget. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was kind of analogous to the SC game, in my opinion, that, you know, the better team was probably didn't win that day. Notre Dame was at home, and, you know, the best players on the field did that day. Um, that was a great Florida State team. Um yeah, I mean, there were academic fraud and mentions of, you know, that 93 championship spending spree from an agent. I mean, that didn't affect on-field play or who the kids were. That was nonsense. Every team, I, I don't want to use that rationalization, but a lot of programs did similar things, if not much worse. Um, a few things about Bobby Bowden. Number one, I read an article where Nick Saban said that when he was at West Virginia, Bowden didn't even know him, and Saban's father had passed away. Uh Bobby Bowden called him up and offered a job on his staff, not only because he was a, a rising up and cunner, comer, rather, but because his mother was nearby. And he asked him if he wanted to be close, closer to his mom. Wow. And Nick Saban said he, he's never forgotten that. Um, that's just an amazing human being. The other thing I think about with Bobby Bowden now, looking back, is um, – you know, Northwestern Florida is not exactly the most cosmopolitan area in the world. Um, not only did he turn a program around, but, you know, he, he didn't see color. Um, I've read that from numerous people, uh, even the most notable Deion Sanders calling him like a father figure and whatnot. You know, it, I wasn't there, but it wasn't, doesn't seem like it was about wins and losses only. He cared about these kids and he didn't see color. You know, he's a very religious man, but, you know, he, he often talked about God and family, but also about putting people before himself. And that's evident because I've never seen a player have a negative thing to say about him. Uh, haven't been looking for it per se, but, you know, look at the guys he put in the league. And, and again, he like Warren Sapp said, you know, not Warren Sapp, uh, uh, I can't think of his name. Um, regardless, the overall overarching point was that, you know, he – these guys said they made him better men. They made him better people. Um, so much respect for that. Yeah, and when and when he took over Florida State, they were nothing. I mean, it's it, it's 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 what uh, you talk about some of the giants of the games. Uh, much to what uh, Snyder did at Kansas State is what Bobby Bowden did at Florida State. I mean, what was a better recruiting ground? Um, but I mean that that was a nothing job with no history at all. And I mean. Florida State is Bobby Bowden. That's their history. Uh, Jimbo won one, obviously there, and you know with you know Bowden, some of Bowden's players, and and then it's fallen off since. So I want to add a little bit because I'm just a, a tad older than you guys. Not only was the I think a great draw to what Florida State was when I started watching college football, where they were Southern Miss. They were a program that wanted to go from mid-level, mid-major to get to the big time. And Bobby Bowden said, basically, I will play anybody, anywhere. And he started doing that. And that grew that yeah. program. Florida State was a girls' college until the late 50s. Yeah. The yeah. Only football 40 years without – 44 years State. without football. Sorry. Yeah, the only the only football players I knew from Florida State 
in the 70s was Burt Reynolds, the actor, and Ron Simmons, the wrestler. It wasn't about football until Bobby Bowden. Lee Corso. Don't forget about Corso. Uh, well, Corso, too. I, I forget. I forgot about Corso, but it was Burt Reynolds, Lee Corso, and Ron Simmons. That was your football history. Uh, there was a point, a 14-year run, that I think Florida State was ever been as good as Alabama is today. And I want to read you some of these stats. 14 seasons. 152, 19, and 1. So he lost about a game point one a year over 14 years. Of course, he won two titles that Robbie was talking about. He finished second twice and third five times. I think there's a very good argument that it may be easier to win a national championship under the current system of the bowl championship series And I keep dropping it. Roger, are you there? I, we, I can hear you. Okay. So, um, I, if you lost a game in 1988, you weren't playing for a national championship. Robbie, do you think he would have won more titles in an environment where you play the top four off every year? So, my initial reaction to this topic was, this is probably Bowden's run was probably the second best run of all time, or at least the modern football area era, behind uh, obviously Nick Saban at uh, Alabama. I started looking at the numbers, so it is amazingly similar. So each program had a twelve. It took twelve seasons to lose seventeen games. From 1987 to 1999, Florida State lost 17 games. During that time, they won eight conference titles. They won two national titles. During that, the comparative window to Alabama from 2008 to 2020, they lost 17 games also. Alabama only won three conference titles but six national championships. Think about the difference, which what you're able to do now in the, in what was the BCS and the college football playoff versus that, that Florida state team, that Florida state run would have been the it's very similar. Now do they, do they cash them on a championship game? Obviously Saban's what? Like seven and two in championship games, maybe, maybe seven and one. So he's got a, much better record in the biggest game. But that uh, that Florida State run would have been very similar to what Alabama's on now, where if you're fourth or fifth, you're getting the benefit of the doubt. You're in the playoff. Yes, yes, very similar. And and so, you know, you, you have Alabama, you know, they've won three championships without winning their conference during yes. this run for Saban, where Florida State won eight, and then two champ, two champions, obviously, and we, we all know this. The SEC, modern day SEC, is much, much, much more difficult than the ACC when Bobby Bowden was coaching. They, it was, and then a lot of this run was even pre Miami. It was just 
Florida State, and then I think they went something like seven or eight years without ever losing a conference game. I remember, I remember when UVA beat them in '95, I believe it was when uh, they ran the direct snap to work done. He got stopped on the one yard line. I think that may have been the first game that Florida State lost in conference. It um, was. Uh, I have that down here. They yeah. joined in '92 or '93 yeah. and did not lose. For five or six years, the UVA beat them. And it was national headlines. ESPN, I had to be home that weekend. As you know, I'm mostly at games. And they were cutting in on ABC that Florida State trailed in a football game. That's what big news it was. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I actually remember that. Every, you know, easier conference. But, you know, they stayed during that time, they always played Florida, who was a powerhouse in itself. Always played Miami, who was a powerhouse. Um, you know, there there have been there have been many of years during Saban's run where Alabama's only had one or two tough games. Hey, real quick, um, you know, we talked about that in the conference was a bit easier, but another thing about Bowden is he won eleven consecutive bowl games from yeah. like eighty five to ninety five or ninety six when you add the one, whatever. Uh, largely against teams that he didn't face. So, you know, yeah. the parody was different back then. Um, but again, you know, I had fun when I went to Northwest Florida, like tri- driving through on I-10. But it's not a place as a kid I'd want to go to school. You know, um, he put him on the map, as we've said. Uh, just some amazing accomplishments. And like I said, uh, off the field as much as on. So uh, to that point, um, I think it's fair to say that he actually had some bad luck when it comes to national titles. He had his kicker miss three field goals wide right against Miami that kept him out of title games. The Notre Dame game. The Notre oh, sorry, Dame they game. claimed the national championship that year. But, yeah, I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but, you know, with the BCS, it, it basically funnels, even though it's BS in many respects. Um, it's a greater chance of a good team, especially a team on TV, playing for national championship. Uh, Florida State won in 93, 99, and 2013, 13 being Jimbo. Um, but, you know, they, they unclaimed 1980, 87, 92, 94, and 96. All years in which if we would have had, you know, number one versus number two, or at least a top four, top six, top eight. I mean, it was a total crapshoot back then. And then, you know, as we're going to discuss later, it was the AP – Writers, which are fairly regionally biased, if you will, and then coaches who don't give a crap, whose aides usually, you know, and those two things were determinative of the national championship, you know, and then he was a finalist in 96, 98, and 2000, 98 to you guys. I mean, you know, this is a guy that could have had 10, 11, 12 championships. That 98 team was a third string quarterback that played in the championship game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was. Kansas State and UCLA lost the final weekend. That was crazy. And FSU was sitting at fourth or fifth and jumped all the way up. And UCLA, you guys remember, sorry, Randall, real quick. They lost to Miami last game of the year, and that was a reschedule from Hurricane Andrew or something. And that UCLA team was stacked. Yeah. Not only that. Thank God they did play. Not only that, the starting quarterback was Chris Winkie. Winkie. Yeah, I don't like Tennessee's chances playing Chris Winkie in that 98 game. Did uh, he win the Heisman 
What year did that he win next, the Heisman? The year before? Year was, yes, 99 uh, they beat Virginia Tech. He won the Heisman. Obviously, and talk Charles about Woodson a, won that year. Talk about a great game uh, that I was not at. But, yeah, that Florida State-Virginia Tech game on turf with Vic and Peter Ward going back and forth, that, that was also – we talk about the 93 Notre Dame, Florida State, and then that Texas-USC game. That game was every bit as dynamic also. So, guys, I got one negative I'm going to talk about. And I do think Bobby Bowden, if I was listing the three greatest coaches in college football, he would be in the list. I don't know how I'd break it down, but he would be on the list. And the other two would be Bear Bryant and Nick Saban. That's just my, my personal opinion. In 92 – Bobby Bowden basically told the SEC that I, I'm not joining your conference when I can that I can join the ACC and win every year. Looking back on that decision, Tennessee settled for South Carolina in that place. Also, that environment, I think Florida State could have got into the conference because the Florida hate in 1992 wasn't near as bad as it would become during the TMT boat era. Do you think Bobby Bowden would have chose to go to the SEC looking back? I mean, so that's a kind of a double-layered question. Do I think Florida State would have yes. joined that wanted to join the SEC looking back? Probably. Do I think Bobby Bowden would have? No, I don't think I think he he was in that path. Uh, you know, the ACC, I mean, it, it's no, obviously it's not the Big Ten and the SEC, but, I mean, it's probably the third most powerful conference right as we stand right now. And so I think he he built the premier program in the Atlantic Coast Conference uh, when he had passed it over to Jimbo. So no, I don't think he would want to go back and compete with – I mean, they still competed with Florida. I think the Miami game was very important to him also. And, um, you know, at that point, you're looking at two different – Miami was in the Big East, Florida's in the SEC. Um, I don't necessarily think he would have regretted it. Um, but I think looking back on it, maybe Florida State probably regrets it. Uh, that's that's exactly, exactly what I was thinking too. Well, I disagree in the sense that – I mean, no offense, but the SEC wasn't really anything until the BCS era and, you know, kids started sort of centrally focusing upon, you know, these powerhouse schools and regions that had a lot of talent, but, they, you know, I don't want to pigeonhole these things, but, you know, the SEC wasn't that big of a deal back then. There wasn't the national TV deal. I never watched the CBS game on you know, noon out there at 3.30 uh, or 12.30, 3.30. For whatever reason, the SEC's ascension was meteoric, uh, probably coincided with BCS and these great teams. And, you know, I digress. I'm not going to get into academic standards, among other things, that, you know, local media, even Florida State, I remember hearing all sorts of stuff about, like, Tallahassee PD, like if somebody got busted, like that guy either really messed up or – the cop wasn't on the payroll and uh, you know, it's or just a fact in smaller towns. Grab legs from the wrong publics and then all hell breaks loose. Yeah. Yeah. James or you, uh, what did he say in that cafeteria? We'll leave it alone. But yeah. yeah. Um, 
you know, smaller town, a lot of pride there. There's obviously less of a spotlight back then. Now it's a national spotlight, you know, with social media and whatnot. Uh, but you know, my point is, is that the money wasn't there back then. It wasn't a national TV deal. He didn't need the SEC. He was his own conference. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I, I and think that's why join it? And, and he already played Miami. He already played Florida. He already usually beat them both. So he owned the state, you know, uh, and back then, early 90s, Bama had, what, a 92 championship. Tennessee was strong, but the rest of the conference, I don't recall anyone being a powerhouse. So why join it? Today? Heck yeah, he would have joined it. But back yeah. then, nah, I don't think so. Yeah, that, that's a very fair point as far as hindsight's 2020 and look what the SEC – but looking back on the, that mid-90s to Roger's point, uh, the biggest games of the year, the biggest games of on the calendar were generally Florida State was involved in them, whether it was Notre Dame, Florida State, Miami, Florida State, Florida. I mean, those were all the games of the year. And then the only yep. real rivalry during that time that probably matched that was Tennessee, Florida. And Bowden was already part of the Florida and really, yeah, looking back on it, it's kind of which conference ended up ESPN hitching its wagon to and, and and you know, off she ran. I think, I think Roger, that may be the most valid point. I'll, I tried to interrupt you, but they were their own conference in 1995. Um, you're absolutely right. Uh, tomorrow, next, um, next week, we'll be plugging. We have our football special coming live from Davis Kessler and Davis on Cherokee Boulevard. And we have a friend of ours, Justin Thomas, who is the biggest Bobby Bowden fan in the world calling in. And I, I asked him today about would he do it. And I thought this was very poignant. You could see the emotion he had of being able to talk about Bobby Bowden and tell his story. I think we all have those kind of figures in our life. Uh, I was very emotionally attached to Johnny Majors. I never was a Phil former guy. I loved Johnny Majors. And that day that Coach Majors died, it was it was emotional for me. You know, you get attached to these celebrities and sports stars. But in the South, where we live now, it, this – I'm not sure that the football coach at the major schools in, in the state may not be the most famous celebrity regional in that state. Uh, I think Nick Saban in Alabama absolutely is the most famous individual in Alabama. Kirby Smart may very well be at Georgia. But at that point, Bobby Bowden may have been the most celebrity person in Florida, uh, West Georgia, South Georgia, South Alabama, and maybe the most popular college football personality uh, at the Still time. delay. We will definitely have more with Coach Bowden. Anybody got a, another word about Coach Bowden to sum it up? I do real quick. Um, nothing emotionally uh, weighty, but, you know, he lost wide right one. They were 10-0. and 0. Miami was undefeated. Uh, I think he lost by one. Like the next year, a couple of years, wide right, too. They were the number three. I think Miami was number two, both undefeated. Uh, it would have tied the game. As a Raider fan, 
in 2000, Al Davis, with the 18th overall pick, selected a kicker from Florida State. At the time, that Raider team was loaded, and they did need – I mean, they had massive issues with kickoffs, with field goals. I mean, the coverage was terrible. They gave up a ton of touchdowns. Um, you know, Janikowski, it was 17th overall, you, you know, came from there. And Bowden, you know, I, I wasn't in the recruiting or coach's room, but certainly looked like he emphasized kickers, and he, and he found uh, – uh, what's his name? Uh, Janikowski, Seabass, and he had another uh, nickname that was fairly racially centric, the Polish something or other. Uh, but, you know, he ended up playing almost 20 years in the league. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the Raiders lost in 2001. That was their best team, in my opinion, to the tuck rule. 2002, Siragusa's fat butt fell on Gannon in, that, in the uh, AFC Championship. But, yeah, I mean, Al Davis said they were one or two players away, and everybody – ridiculed him, including myself at the time. Uh, but, you know, Janikowski played for 18 or 19 years and put the Raiders right where they needed to be. And maybe without wide right one and two, Bowden would have emphasized such a thing. And that, and that guy was uh, pretty darn amazing at Florida State and at, uh, at for the Raiders. So, yeah. again, Bobby Bowden, uh, just another thing where he's an innovator, a lot of foresight. And and I, and my closing thoughts are I'm myself not a religious person, um, but I do appreciate the conviction that he had and and that he helped young men a lot of times troubled find their path and um, and part of, and you you I've heard Mark Rick in many interviews credit Bobby Bowden to uh, Mark Rick's faith. And what that spread through at Florida State, at Georgia later on, and down in Miami. That's a lot of kids in a big region that are getting faith in a father figure um, preached to them on a daily basis, which, you know, you hear, I mean, and Warwick Dunn, I don't know if anyone knows that story. Warwick Dunn, who his father uh, was shot when he was a very young kid credits Bobby Bowden to getting him out of New Orleans and becoming a player at Florida State, then later in the pros. And now I think it's something ungodly. Like he's built 100 to 200 houses for lower income families. Like just a great thing is not necessarily Bowden's legacy, but the legacy of others that are because of Bowden. It starts somewhere. Yeah. Apropos right there, man. And it's not necessarily what the man does himself, but the man influenced a lot of great. And uh, I don't know if anybody's been down in the Okapaka area where he got a lot of players from. It's one of the poorest areas of the United States. And, you know, the Peter Warwick's and the Warwick Dunn, Warwick Dunn's mom was a police officer, but a single mom. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Deion Sanders of the world, they didn't come out of the Leave it to Beaver household. No. And a lot of them looked at uh, Coach Bowden as a as a father figure. So, Dion from and, Fort Myers, Florida. Yeah. Quick note: all three of those guys are speaking at his funeral, mm-hmm. uh, which says a lot, man. I don't know how many kids had such a a coach had such a great impact upon kids. You know, thirty years later, where they're going to speak, Charlie Ward, Warwick Dunn, and Deion Sanders at his funeral. So, it's for itself. And and again, the man didn't see color or anything else 
class. He, he, he saw people and he invested in them. And that's uh, much respect, man. Much respect. So River City Media, the three guys here, nothing but love. And wherever you're at tonight, Bobby Bowden, the earth, our life, college football was better because of you. So life was better because of you. Absolutely. So it makes it hard Humanity. to move on to the next subject because I'm going to talk about a guy I don't like too much right now. <laughs> but uh, we're going to talk about USA basketball and Mr. Durant's comments. Now, first of all, I'm going to open this segment by Kevin Durant said that all the media that said the USA couldn't win the gold medal should offer apologies. Two weeks ago, I said there was no way in Hades that this team was going to win a gold medal. I think they even picked the French team to win it. So, Kevin, I'm sorry. Guys, what did the what did the USA basketball team do to get it back together? Either one of you probably go first on that one. All right. I mean, I think they just got more time playing together. I mean, it's been said many times. A lot of these other countries have five basket, five NBA players, four NBA players, six NBA players. We have ten. Um, you know, and not only do we have ten. Uh, with all due respect to Doncic and the guys from Australia, we brought the best player in the world, uh, at least one of the top three. Uh, you can go Giannis, LeBron, Kevin Durant, anywhere you want to. Look, Kevin Durant's the biggest freak of them all, and he wanted this, and he showed, and I think a lot of it was how the NBA Finals ended. Um uh, I just think he turned it on. He wanted it more. And they're just better when they want it more. I think the pride, once it got into the elimination, the the, the pride of playing for – I mean, Durant wrapping the flag around him. Um, and, and don't get me wrong. We, as a country, uh, are probably the most divided of any of those teams that we're playing and as far as what we've got going on here. And for them, young men of – well, I guess they're not young men anymore, but youngish men of color to, to step up and say, hey, um, we're playing for our country, and we're going to give it our all and really go into it. And, and I think they got a little mad. You know, Durant is uh, – not is, seems to be a little sensitive with the media, and I think he got pissed off, and he just said, I'll show you, and, hey, congrats to the whole team. And, that was a well-deserved gold medal. I, uh, I, I, Rog, the game that I watched that I kind of went, oh, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be wrong about this one. Is they manhandled a very talented French team, uh, 93-82 in the opening round. Uh, I tend to agree with Robbie. Do you think it was all the negative press coming their way that they just finally put it on their back and said, hey, we're gonna go win a gold medal? I think that has something to do with it. You know, when you're number one, you know, after the pandemic and a shortened off season, then you had a long season and teams like, you know, Milwaukee and Phoenix, Devin Booker, Chris Middleton, uh, Drew Holiday, they play a long time. And a lot of guys said, how are they playing in the Olympics? More or less. They alluded towards that. Um, but they got their legs, and the legs kind of involved going through Durant. 
And yeah, Durant's a freak. Is he? A, is he a chap ass when it comes to uh, the media and everybody calling him out? He's always been. He's been a bit of a prima donna. Um, ironic because he comes from uh, Prince George's County in Maryland, which is just a hardcore basketball area. But you know, he just gets salty all the time. You know, you are an American. Do act like it to the media. That's their job, dude. And, and whether he likes it or not, Team USA has. That's the standard we all live up to. Like no one. I, I mean, I assure you, NBC's ratings were the lowest, I think, of all time, at least since they've been on national television, global television. Uh, you know, and nobody watched Team USA, not only because of the time difference, but, you know, the only thing that would make headlines is if they lost. And, yeah, they lost to France in the opening round, and uh, France was a team that had played together many, many times. And, you know, obviously, uh, when they come together, like Rob, they, they needed something that would bring them together. And that happened. So maybe Durant should thank the media instead of calling them or essentially calling them un-American. Um, but he's always been that way, dude. He's been totally whiny. He's been short with the media. Um, at this point, you know, media individuals know that they can bait him and say certain things and he'll just give them tons of headlines because he is so emotional but is he a great player absolutely amazing with his three olympic medals now is he the greatest american olympic basketball representative that we have Roz, you want to jump on that first so yeah this was a topic that i talked about and one that i've seen um you know, I believe he's the all-time leading point scorer, but this is his third or fourth Olympics. Um, short answer, no. The dream team in 92, yeah, I, I know we love to romanticize that team. And, you know, Bird, Magic, were sort of on the tail ends of their career, Magic. Uh, you, know, you know, it was HIV positive announced before that team, actually. Um, but you know, had Jordan, all these guys... And they kicked everyone's butt. Yeah, sure, I've heard the argument, international competition. More NBA players now. Come on, dude. It doesn't matter. If you've got a team full of NBA players, and let's say you give them six months to practice, these international teams did, minus their NBA stars, they'd win by 100. Um, it's not international competition. So, yeah, Durant has played. He's a volume uh, accomplishment gainer, if you will. Uh, there's a shorter word that it encapsulates that, but I can't think of it. I, you know, and great players don't, you know, they make other players better. Can we say that about Durant ever? No. Um, you know, and, and then he gets all chap ass in the media. So I, if anybody defends him, then they're probably chap ass too. Great player, obviously won three gold medals, but. You know, we always have this tendency, and it's fodder to anoint the greatest of anything. Uh, what have you done for me lately? But I'm sorry, dude. I don't – if Jordan played three Olympics, Magic, uh, LeBron, I think, did play three. Yeah, he didn't have the most all-time points because he dished the ball out and made other people better. So short answer, long answer, no. I, I, I'm going to agree with – Raj's take on no. And I was just sitting here thinking about this. And to me, and maybe it's my age, maybe it's my 
love for him. Uh, for for me, it's Kobe Bryant. I, you know, he was on those teams that rescued the losing uh, that we were doing in the Olympics and in the World right. Championships. He came and won gold in 2008 and 2012. Never lost. A national game when he was on the team, twenty-six and zero across three tournaments. Um, yeah, so I mean that for me, it, and and it, it's I guess one of those that with his passing, it, it's going to be burnt into my mind now. Um, as I sat here and thought thought about all this and Raj talk, um, I still think Kobe. To me, and which is weird because he's born in Italy, played for the USA, but um, yeah, I think he's he's my memory of USA basketball. You know, I, I went back and forth with this, Robbie, and I guess what got me was there. And again, I'm going to go to the guy. I'm not a Michael Jordan fan, so let me just say that I'm not a Michael Jordan fan. Uh, like I was bitter at Jordan. Because I felt like Dominique won about three of those dunk contests that they gave to oh, Jordan. We, we we can go we can go on that topic at some point and we were bored. <laughs> Absolutely, Dominique won that dunk contest. Um, but I'm going with Michael Jordan as the greatest basketball player, Olympic basketball player. And as soon as Rod quits making the whip, what's he doing over there? Luke, the ice maker. Lukey. My apologies. I'm listening, though. I'm listening. I need Michael to refill Jordan, my ice pack. You can hit mute while you're making a drink. Yeah, you could do it. You know, I'm not making a drink, actually. I'm refilling an ice pack because all my actual ice packs are out, if you must know. So I have to put one in the bag. All right, old man. <laughs> Michael Jordan won in 84 as a pure amateur. He also won a world basketball championship. He also won a Pan Am championship. Then he came back in 92 as a member of that dream team. So I think for me, I really loved when the college guys played in the Olympics for the U.S. I don't think we could send a college team now and even come close to competing. But back in that. You couldn't. I mean, they only stay a year. I mean, you couldn't. You can't even field a team. But (laughs) the fact that Jordan won one as a college basketball player won one as a professional basketball player plus during his college career he went and played internationally in the pan am games in the world games i I like to i'd like to but durant in my head was number two uh after your spill over kobe I, i i think you're right kobe did save us from the abyss of it looked like usa basketball was going to be calling uh some second string guard from the Houston uh, Rockets to start. And all of a sudden, Kobe started playing on the U.S. basketball team, and everything changed at that point. I think he, because there, there was a movement to not play because it's during the summer, it's their time off. And I think he pressed players to come, like the importance of it. And hey, if, and if you're going to come, because if you're going to and, – and Jordan was the same way. If you're going to come play with Kobe, with Jordan, 
you're going to work hard and you're going to practice and you're going to practice hard. And this is not a vacation. We're here. We're going to win. It Absolutely. Was not, you know, and I think those teams between, I think it was 98 and 2006 or 2008 where we, where we were losing, it was more of that, hey, yeah, we're, you know, we're going to go play, but it's not that big of a deal. Right. And real quick, the knock on Kobe early on was that he didn't make players around him better. Jordan eventually did. You know, the, the Craig Elo fist pump teams, it was all just him, you know, yeah. you know and uh, LeBron, same knock early on. Um, to make others around you better is the essence of a great basketball player, in my opinion. To do it with a bunch of guys that are already, you know, first options on their team is amazing. And again, Kobe, Magic, Jordan, LeBron, you know, they did that. They found a way. They were the leaders of a team full of leaders. Uh, you know, Durant to me wasn't necessarily a leader. I don't know what was going on in the locker room, but he was a guy that was a freak, you know, a seven-footer who has unlimited yeah. range and when he's healthy is amazing. And the ball just kind of went through him, but, you know, I didn't really, again, I wasn't there, but I've never seen him as a guy that makes people around him better. He, for the goodness that he is, he is probably the best accompaniment there is. And, and I think that's probably more mental than anything in a sense or, or, or team related in the sense that, you know, on the Nets, there's Kemba, you know, OKC, he never, again, unfair criticism. You have to be the guy. Uh, you know, Golden State, obviously, there was Clay and Steph. Um, it, you know, I remember going back to his college days, he lost to USC as the, the leader of the sixth seed, uh, Texas, and USC was the 11, and, and they knew how to beat him, and they talked about it the whole time. Uh, so, yeah, perhaps I'm a bit jaded on Durant, but again, I don't see a guy that makes players around him better. I see a, a ridiculously amazing freakish once in a lifetime superstar but to me you should be a great teammate as well as a great player and i can't call him that but i'm not on the team so yeah and just the most the, the person that durant reminds me the most of in basketball history um is kareem abdul jabbar as far as you have, like, you're just an unbelievable offensive talent and with a shot that you cannot stop. There's no, there's no defense to a seven-footer that can pull up from anywhere in the gym and shoot you. Uh, Kareem won one on his own in Milwaukee. Uh, yeah, Milwaukee, then, now, then a bunch with the Lakers. Um, but that was Magic's team for the most part. Magic were, I mean, they were surrounded by talent. And, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was the one, like, if you if you needed a bucket, though, the sky hook couldn't be stopped. And I don't know anything about Kareem personally, how he was as a teammate, but just that unstoppable weapon that, that you have. This is unfair. Because he ended up being a great player and fairly unselfish especially towards the end of his career, but he reminds me a lot of Allen Iverson. Uh, not as chap-ass, even though the practice thing, Iverson was far more mature, believe it or not. Um, and, and, and Iverson was just a great player. But, you, you know, for many years, Iverson just was like, and I don't blame him, those teams sucked. But, like, give me the ball, I'm going to get mine. Um, 
So that is my reminder. Kareem was actually, especially towards the end of his career, more of a team player. But you're right. He realized that, you know, the torch was passed. Could, could you imagine being Iverson on those Sixers teams and being like, I've dragged you guys to the final and then run into Kobe and Shaq and be like, what what what, what else can I possibly do? There's nothing he could do. Bell and nothing. Eric Snow and McKee. So I, I, and we'll close this on and we'll move on to the Hall of Fame. But I'm, <laughs> as a side note to this was the Japanese team finishing with a silver medal, which I think was a complete shock to anybody that handicapped this Olympics ahead of time. Uh, in Japan, beating France in the semifinals unseen and i gotta think the japanese basketball culture seems to be you know now we have a flood of japanese major leaguers 10 years from now i would not be a shock to see a flood of japanese players coming to the nba but then again they don't grow a lot of seven footers in japan so so let's move wait a minute i thought if they beat france doesn't france get the silver if they beat him in the championship game I think they meddled in the women's, and I know in like the three on three they were solid. But U.S. Beat am China I wrong? Did... No, what? U.S. beat France in the finals. France, I thought US yeah. Beat You're right. Then they uh, they... a bronze medal. I got it backwards. I'm looking now. I was about to say. I, think... I was like, I don't know what kind of what I missed after this championship game. But... I had it backwards. But Japan I think they meddled though medal. in the women's, and I actually watched them with Ira Brown, an American, uh, on the Japanese team, and they beat, like, Slovenia, and they were huge underdogs in the three-on-three, which was just a weird thing to watch. But, um, you, you know, they won in skateboarding. They did all kinds of things. It's like Japan was like, all right, Olympics are in our place. Unlike the Russians in Sochi, we're not going to be embarrassed. We're going to just dedicate, like, 15 years to this. Yeah, they won in women's basketball, silver, again, skateboarding. They were respectable in basketball and three on three. That's kind of crazy, dude. I'm like, uh, not what you expect. Google has the U.S. playing Japan in the. I think he's talking about women. That's women, bro. I know. 90 to 75. And then they have Sylvania. So I looked at the wrong side. So, so Google well, doesn't have it wrong. You having it wrong. Our great and noble host has it wrong. Uh, that's okay. And, and I got it wrong, but don't you dare like, blame Google. Hey, so, are you kidding me? We're probably number one sports talk show in Japan right now. They want to no, yeah. If you shut up, Raj, I could have added some ratings. Okay, quickly. Ain't that the truth? Uh, we'll move on. Japan, they get to the semifinals, get beat in men's, do not medal. Women's, they finish second. So I had it wrong. Apologies. Now moving on to the Hall of Fame. So uh, now I do know I saw it. Both the 20 and the 21 class goes in this week. Do you, having watched both days of it, I want to talk about where Peyton Manning's legacy lies. We talked about, I sent you all my top 10 list of players of all time, but specifically, I don't think many people would argue that Brady's not the GOAT just from the championships he's won now. But is Peyton a clear number two? Or is there an argument that Peyton's still the best quarterback of all time? Robbie, I'll let you fire out the corner on this one. No, there's no argument that Peyton's the 
greatest of all time. Um, so, yeah, so you have accomplishments, you have winning. Obviously, Brady has – he's almost lapped the field. Montana and Bradshaw have four. He's got seven. Seven. That's almost as much as the next two top two combined. So, no, there's no argument that he's the most accomplished, the greatest winner. Um, Manning is a unique player. He is loved. He is very intelligent. He's very marketable. Already, though, would you say Aaron Rodgers is better than Peyton? Would you say Patrick Mahomes is better than Peyton? Um, those are up for debates. You still have Montana with four um, in a different era. If Montana played in this NFL with the offensive rules, he could be throwing some darts in there. Um, think, think, you know, Drew Brees' accuracy uh, with much more friendly pass pass rules. Um, I've got Peyton. So with accomplishments, I've got Peyton in my top ten. I've got him at three behind Brady and Montana quarterback wise. But yeah, I mean, you can you can argue talent wise. Uh, Aaron Rodgers could be number two or uh, up maybe number one, and then Mahomes is still young and. It, it's in the Marino. There's talent versus accomplishment. It's it's a hard thing to do because it's such a team game. So uh, the fact if, that could you make the argument Peyton Peyton is the greatest regular season quarterback and Brady's the greatest playoff quarterback? I mean, Brady's regular season was pretty damn impressive. Also, what they win? What it's six, just that he's a three time MVP versus a five time yeah. MVP. But that's voting versus I – mean, that's media versus players. I, and a lot of it's it, – and I think what made this debate even more difficult is that Brady won last year without Belichick. Oh, I think that was always the fallback was, is this Belichick? And then to win his first year without Belichick, I think that's just what just – sealed sign and delivered the argument that you, you, you can't put anybody above Brady. He's the only one to win with two teams. I'm, I'm correct about that, right? Yes. Now, now Peyton won with two teams. Oh, I'm so yes, Peyton did. Peyton we won had. with two teams, but... He's won two with two teams, where Brady's won seven with two teams. Yes. Uh, and I will tell you before we go to Raj, I was actually dismissed from a podcast and it was over two issues and then we'll get your gut reaction one i said there's no way and i argued with everybody on the staff there's no way that tom brady's not the goat today there is no way after him winning it with tampa that there's no way and i love Peyton. my child's name after Peyton. and two there's not anybody with a complete enough resume to argue that peyton is number two uh, their argument was Drew Brees has every passing yardage record, every touchdown record. My content is 
they are two people that are heads and shoulders above everybody else. Peyton went to four Super Bowls. That's on par with anybody in history. Montana, whoever. Elway, man, Elway. He went to four. One, two. One, two. Because of Terrell Davis. Just kidding. The five MVPs is what separates him to me. And the fact Jim that. Jim Kelly went to four. Who did? Because of Thurman Kelly. Thomas yeah. and Andre Reid. But no, I mean. That makes my point. Is Jim Kelly a bad quarterback because he lost four Super Bowls? Or a great quarterback for making four Super Bowls? Well, it's, the, it's the same argument. It's the same stupid argument that, oh, Jordan never lost in the finals. Well, he lost in the playoffs many times. And so because you don't because you don't advance far enough before you lose does not make your finals record any better. I mean, we naturally we tend to crop our perspective when it comes to argument and attempts at being persuasive. If you know, Brady didn't I don't know how you call the greatest. Like we talked about Mahomes and Rodgers. Um, Brady couldn't throw the ball 30 yards from his knees. Mahomes could throw it 70 yards. You know who what? Who else could? It was Jamarcus Russell. Um, yeah, being athletic, it, it's a different NFL now. It's not the pure pocket passer. You, you know, if you go to straight pure passer, Marino was amazing. Like, what, what are we judging it by? Um you, you know, I, I think we can find uh, qualifications for every great quarterback Brady had. Belichick, um, not necessarily the greatest defenses, but pretty good defenses. Uh, Montana had some great all-around teams with with uh, Bill Walsh. And, and Bradshaw had the best defense before the 1985 Bears, like ever. Uh, but I don't want to take away from these guys. I don't understand, again, why it's fodder, why we need to compare who's the best, who's this, who's that. Peyton Manning is uh, just an amazing quarterback, and I can't tell you what he's done. And, and, and again, I think there's this sense of notoriety that, oh, people on the West Coast and the world, they recognize Tennessee because of Peyton Manning. You know, I, I recognize Peyton Manning because of Peyton Manning. He, he's not only a great player, he's an amazing teammate. Probably the classiest player I've ever seen. You never saw him blame anybody or call out the media like a Kevin Durant reference. Um, he made everyone around him better. If he had even like a a micro element of a defense, I'm making up words now, you know, they would have won three or four championships. It, it, it was all him. And on top of that, he's he's a very intelligent guy, like you said. He's become a TV and pop culture icon. Uh, you know, starting with that hilarious Saturday Night Live skit where he's plucking kids in the head. I, when I saw that, I was just like, wow, this guy is just different. And he's had the spotlight on him his whole life, but he's just got one of those intellects, uh, sense of, of poise and pride, and, and just a different guy altogether. You know, Brady is a hermit. Peyton is not a hermit. Again, not necessarily corresponding as much to the football field. I'm just saying Peyton has got his people have their own greatness. And I don't think there'll ever be anyone like Peyton Manning, whether it be his five head or the fact he went got dimed out of a Heisman trophy or had the whole roster that won a national championship after him or had five chances. You know, just a great player who never blamed or made excuses for anything. 
And um, again, I, I hate the greatness argument. If you're asking about why well, I say greatness, who's won the most Super Bowl championships? Brady. Let's just frame it that way. Um, you, you know, if I was starting a team now, in terms of, I mean, Peyton would probably be my pick. I hate to say that, like in the sense that, you know, how can you say Brady without Belichick? Like you had a flat team right now. You know, Manning's a guy that I'd probably have more confidence in than anyone else in history. Um, oh gosh, I'm gushing about Tennessee. I'm, I, I need more wine. Whether to save you or not, please do. But you know, I'm speechless. I just, I just praise Tennessee. So please, Jesus, forgive me. Well, the, the, I think the, yes. Yeah, so like you, it's hard to say. It's hard to argue against seven championships as the quarterback. But if you do want to start peeling away some layers, then you look about you, – you can look and say, all right, well, one, they got – they got given one for the tuck rule. Um, there's spy gate. There's deflate gate. So there's some things. And then you also have the way the NFL is set up. Brady played – most of his career in, if not easiest division the, in football. Yeah, one of the easiest divisions in football, and so they almost had a one two two home playoff games in the Super Bowl in a climate. You have to remember, think back to Green Bay, and there's just, they didn't lose a football game in Lambeau in the playoffs for like thirty years because these elements matter, and you get teams coming up there into Foxborough, like like you have things like the tuck rule that happened. Um, you know, like, like like things like this, like they definitely were a benefactor of the circumstances of Miami sucking, Buffalo sucking, and the Jets being the Jets. But don't we end up like diminishing all these guys with these qualifications? You know, like, oh, this guy's great, but he had this, he had that. I mean, why can't people just be good and great and we respect them and what they did on the field and off on their own? Yeah, I, I guess that's boring and that won't get clicks, but silly to me. I think the most important thing to remember about Peyton Manning and the one argument you can make no matter what, when he entered Isidore Newman High School, he was Archie Manning's son and a starter as a freshman and produced at the highest level. He went to the University of Tennessee as the second signee in that class. Brandon Stewart was much – I think Brandon Stewart was maybe more valued than Peyton Manning was in that class. He set four five football games, won the starting job, and started every other football game he ever played. Those five football games at Tennessee his freshman year is the only five football games that Peyton Manning didn't start in his career. Well, and he produced in high school, college, pro football, at every level, every spotlight has been on him, and he's been able to pull it out. I think well, that's the best thing about Peyton. Well, I'll tell you a quick story about my fanhood. Um, so I'm a really, really big Titans fan, diehard Titans fan. Um, the Colts had – Two back-to-back generational 
talent. Um, very much to the Packers, they, they had Peyton Manning, obviously, and Andrew Luck. During the time Peyton Manning, uh, after his rookie year, not once did I go into a game thinking the Titans were going to beat the Colts because that's, of that's Peyton Manning. And that's and there were some Steve McNair, Eddie George, some really good Titans teams in there, and I never thought they were going to win because Peyton was that good. Even I, we had Kerry Collins against Andrew Luck, and uh, uh, not, not ten, Jake Locker against Andrew. Luck. I at least had some hope that we were going to win. Never against Peyton Manning did I think the Titans were going to win. You're always shocked Luck got hurt. Yeah. It's a shame. It, he was a special kid. I think yeah. Andrew Luck was going to be one of those generational talents. So, mm-hmm. Rod's last word. Always we'll shocked. Go on to the NFL top ten. No, always shocked when you played Manning. It was like, you know, as a Raider fan, played Elway, same thing. Just expected to lose because you were just waiting for him to do something great. Oddly enough, I had Super Sports Weekend one year uh, back in graduate school where I went to USC Notre Dame on a Saturday. Uh, unfortunately, we lost. Mike Van Raphorst was the quarterback because of injuries. Uh, before the greatness. Flew back home and then came back uh, through Indiana and went to the Raiders and Colts on Sunday night. Uh that was during the Raiders' great years, including an amazing running back from Tennessee, who I believe is arguably the most underrated player in NFL history, and Charlie Garner, just a phenomenal player. Uh, Peyton's last drive, they shut him down. They beat them in Indy on Sunday night football. Also, the only time I've seen somebody do an air guitar to the national anthem, uh, but it was Indiana in 2002. So, um yeah, but I was astonished that not just because not the Raiders won, they were the better team, but that 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 Peyton didn't somehow pull something out of his his hat. And, and that was Peyton Manning, and that's John Elway, and that's, you know, Marino for his greatness. You kind of expected the Dolphins lose for different reasons. Uh, Jim Kelly the same way, but, you know, there's probably five guys in NFL history that when they had the ball in the last drive, you turn the TV off, and Peyton Manning is one of them. So – I agree with everything everybody said. I really did. Everybody make a top ten list because I, I I really want to roll that out there, Rod. I know Robbie, you top. made one, right? I did. The All top right. ten of uh, all time NFL players. All time. I thought we were talking about the Hall of Famers that were. Well, we're going to do that in a second. Let me just run through my list. We'll do. We got that too. Uh, I can do so, it quickly. Uh, well. I listed Tom Brady as the greatest player in NFL history. Jerry Rice, I, I can't get past. I think he was the second best player, even though he wasn't a quarterback. Jim Brown, I still think, was the best running back ever to play in the NFL. And I debated about this next one. Was Lawrence Taylor or was Reggie White the greatest defensive impact player? And I came up with Lawrence Taylor at four, Peyton Manning at five, Reggie White at six, Joe Montana at seven, Walter Payton at eight, Barry Sanders at nine, and Ronnie Lott at 10. And that was my list. I compared it. I had a couple of players different, but that was pretty much most media outlets somewhere around their list. Robbie, go ahead with yours. 
man uh this was this was tough and uh all i kept hearing was uh while i was going through my list was mike wilbon on pti saying hey yo millennial go to go to youtube and look up some of these older players <laughs> and so I, I had some trouble with this uh because part of it is just what I've seen and then uh, hearing stories and seeing highlights, never saw how they impacted the game. Um, so, so part of this is what I've seen and part of it is just kind of what you did, Randall, like unanimously yes. great that, that people who are older than me, uh, I'm not sure there's anyone older than you alive. but No, uh, not, not alive currently. Um, <laughs> I've got to show up and certify um, yeah, and so, and this is kind of what Raj was getting at earlier. It's tough to rank players versus, like, at, like obviously, Jim Brown's a better football player than Tom Brady is. But in his position, maybe Brady's unanimously greater than Brown is. Or maybe it's close. But I've got Tom Brady, Jim Brown, I have Randy Moss. He, he's have, in my top 12. I'll put it I have, I have Lawrence Taylor, Reggie White, Jerry Rice, Joe Montana, Barry Sanders. Absolutely. Deion Sanders and Peyton Manning. You... Everyone you named was in my – and I went all the way out to 20 with it just because I'm a nerd. Everyone you named was in my top 12. So, you know, Dion was 12. If, if, if Who was – yeah. Randy Moss was 11. So, uh, that, that that is my list. You, you nailed it, except for I have them in a different order. You know, I, I agree with both of you. I don't think either you guys can be wrong. And then, again, we come to measurables. To me, Bo Jackson – is one of the greatest players ever, but he played five seasons, right? Like you, you extrapolate his ability over 20 seasons and he sets every record in the world. Uh, I'm talking about impact and Randall. I think your list was perfect. Um, to me, Lawrence Taylor versus Reggie White. Lawrence Taylor kind of revolutionized, you know, the stand up outside rush end. It's essentially like an outside linebacker. The Giants were fortunate enough to have an amazing tackles. Other linebackers like uh, Pepper uh, Pepper Johnson, Pepper what was his name? Pepper Johnson, yeah. Pepper Johnson, amazing uh, safeties and DBs that can compensate. Reggie White was known as the strongest person ever to play football. Uh, you know, I didn't get to see me Joe Green or Johnny Unitas or Anthony Munoz, even though he's an SC guy. I loved your Ronnie Lott selection. I have a quick Ronnie Lott story. Aside from the pinky thing, which uh, is a bit of a embellishment, I guess, uh, in terms of he didn't cut it off during the game and go out there and play. Basically what happened is against the Rams, Jack Youngblood is uh, – not Jack Youngblood, but uh, Jack Youngblood was on that team. But his pinky basically was like that, like a right angle. And the team doctor said, if you keep playing, you probably have to get it amputated. And he said, I'm going to keep playing. About seven, no, the Pura era, so I guess it was 15 years ago, I had a friend that uh, had sideline passes for SC at Stanford. 
Well, SC was dragging ass, and um, dude gave me a sideline pass, and I was kind of walking out, and Ronnie Lott led the team out of the second half. Uh, Ronnie Lott spoke to the team at halftime. He was so intense that I was sort of near them, like in the back. Again, this is like the Snoop Dogg, Will Ferrell days. You can do whatever you want on the SC sidelines, you know, as long as you had a pass. But I remember, like, asking, I was like, Mr. Lott, sir. Like, I turned into a prepubescent kid on The Simpsons. And I, I just remember him like, what's up, man? Like, just so intense. Like, nothing, sir. Like, I'm not going to get a selfie or anything because I think cell phones were fairly new back then. But, like, he was the most intense dude ever. And uh, on the field, he was that way. Off the field, he's a great dude. But he spoke to that team at halftime. They ended up rolling them. But he legitimately scared me. We were on the sideline. What's he going to do? And I did see the nub, and the nub is real. So Ronnie Lott is certainly deserving, whether it comes to football lore or greatest player. All right, guys, that was a great segment. We're running late, but I still want to get through the 20 class and the 21 and a couple of these players. So let me just run down both classes. I'm going to skip some of the names people never heard of. But in 20, <laughs> Steve Atwater goes in. Isaac Bruce goes in. Howard Carmichael. Jimbo Covert, a guy I really think is a Hall of Famer. Bill Cowers. Cliff Harrison goes in. Winston Hill. Steve Hutchison. Edron James. I, I was shocked he got in first ballot. But Edron James goes in. Jimmy Johnson goes in. Alex Karras goes in. And Troy Palomalu goes in. And, and there's some older players. Uh, another guy of note that went in was Steve Sable. If you're my age, you grew up with NFL, NFL films. Steve Sable introduced me to more NFL football than probably all three networks. In this class, in the 21 class, Alan Fanick goes in, Tom Flores, Arreda, Calvin Johnson, John Lynch, Peyton Manning, Bill Nunn, Drew Pearson, and ironically, I think, kind of touched my heart. Charles Watson Woodson goes in the same class as Peyton Manning. And the assignment I gave you guys, if you want me to go first or you want to go first, just pick out two or three of these guys that not everybody knows everything about. And and tell me why you think they're a Hall of Famer. And, Rod, you seemed ready for this one earlier, so let's start with you. Uh, I mean, I can't argue with any of those guys. He, he, I'm glad you touched on Steve Sable because he was mm -hmm. revolutionary when it comes to football, but sports journalism. You know, he was the first guy ever to kind of put you in the lap in the helmet of the NFL player. Uh, as a kid, I'm sure many of us remember watching those years in review, you know, the 1990 Buffalo Bills or what have you. Couldn't wait for your team to come up. And, and it made every team, even the when the Raiders were three and 13 look like a possible Super Bowl contender, but you know, without him, they started out with one camera and now there's 38 cameras for NFL films. And without that, there's no hard knocks. There's, there's none of these sort of interactivities that go on with football. Um, so I'm glad you mentioned that Steve Atwater was really feared, man. Um, he's not one of my, my numbers. I'm just going to can't believe he doesn't have CTE because that guy, back in the day when helmets were bricks, but that guy just ruined people. And I, I don't say that flippantly. I don't mean any disrespect, but I, I'm shocked because the way he hammered people, he was the next Ronnie Lott. Uh, 
obviously I'm going to go with Paul Amalu. Troy Paul Amalu is goes hand in hand with the ascension of USC football. It's not about that. Um, one of the few players, and probably the nicest guy you'll ever see. I've met him a couple times. We're not exactly BFFs, but I couldn't believe how passive and nice and soft-spoken he was. Point being, though, is one of the few players, let alone a, a defensive back, where you had to game plan for him. Uh, I think it was Cower or – not Cower, obviously the same team. Uh, John Harbaugh or someone else that – they would add a 12th man on defense in the practices and put a huge like wig on the back of him. So not only would there be more than 11 players, but that was Paul Amalu because you felt like it was like street fighter. There was like 13 of him. Uh, greatness alone. And again, like he just did things the right way. Um, an amazing player in an amazing football town. Uh, you know, I, I sort of took this as kind of the underwhelmed names. Edron James is one of them. Uh, you know, he was the U. To me, he was the beginning Absolutely. of the U. And that's got nothing to do with, you know, the braids and anything else. Uh, he was a good dude that was the start of a, a flush of amazing running backs. And Clinton Portis, Willis McGahee, uh, Jarrett Payton, who had, you know, 1,500 TDs and 15 touchdowns or something like that. People don't remember him. Um just just a run, and, and shortly after him came the UU, and without him, that stuff doesn't happen. I mean, Larry Coker was the head coach for a lot of that. Give me a break. They didn't go – kids didn't go there because of Larry Coker. Uh, they went there because of Edgerin. And, and not to – you know, also oh, – Frank Gore as well. Flip side of that argument being that, yeah, he had Peyton Manning, a lot of great quarterbacks. I mean, most of their – I was going to sort of attribute that to a West Coast offense, but that's not necessarily the case. He was just a guy that that stood the test of time and one of the toughest dudes ever. And again, put that school on the map. So I I, I was a big fan of him. Um, Tom Flores is obviously it's too easy. I, I guess my other guy was, it's just nice to see great players be recognized because baseball is sort of Durant chap ass when it comes to this. You have to have 30 years and X amount of, uh, you know, thresholds to get over. Right. Calvin Johnson didn't play it long. Great player. John Lynch, Charles Woodson, you know, good for them. Uh, Steve Sable. Baseball would never put in a Steve Sable. Uh, and I admire that greatly. So on, on top of those two guys, I'm just looking at, you know, underdogs. On, on top of that, how old I feel with like Winston Hill and Bill Cower and uh, who else was inducted? Oh, Steve Hutchinson. Jeez, man, I remember these guys getting drafted. Good yeah. Lord. Um, so anyways, just kudos to the NFL and the Hall of Fame because they do the right thing, and they honor those that deserve to be honored. I, I, I agree with you that NFL Hall of Fame, to me, is the best of the three major sport Hall of Fames. Robbie, where are you at on this? Uh, uh, I swear, people, we did not talk about this beforehand. Um, no, we didn't. I, uh, my notes echo y'all, um, a lot. Um, and it, as I was thinking about this and looking through this line, uh, and this list, Steve Sable and NFL films, they were at least more than partially responsible Absolutely. for the rise of the NFL in this country. 
And while Ronnie Lott is on this list, you look at Ronnie Lott and you look at what when NFL films was at its peak, it was people like Steve Atwater and John Lynch and these hard hitting safeties that what made us all fall in love with the game. And it was that yes, you go across the middle and hear it at that impact. We've all learned since then about the dangers that are associated with that. But that's what, at least for me, was part of my first love for the NFL was those players and, and, and that inside look at, at behind the scenes of the game. And so, I, yes, and I agree with both of you. The NFL is the best Hall of Fame. They, they incorporate every aspect of it, ownership, general managers, coaches, punters, kicker, the, the, the ins and outs of the game. Um, I remember those Steve Atwater and those orange jerseys and uh, those championship teams. And, uh, yeah, I'm with y'all with Edwin James. Uh, we'll one yet him at the U. And, yeah, younger people, the U, the U was something. It, it was a brand. and They were the, Alabama – before Alabama, USC, before USC, they were yeah. they were the brand before you needed a turnover uh, chain or any of that crap. Uh, I was – so I was looking down and uh, while looking, doing research this, this evening, I was like, all right, so Edwin James uh, won a championship with the U and then he won with the Colts. He wasn't on either of those teams, and I was shocked at that. I, I, I would have bet – Wow. Um, money he was on that 2001 team, but I guess that was what Clinton Portis and uh, McGahee. Yes, yeah. uh, God, he that goes up a dial with the Colts. Yeah, that team was loaded. The U was, uh, and then on so I got John Lynch for the 2021 class, and the other one I got, uh, that Raj touched on Calvin Johnson. Man, you talk about a talent that probably since Randy Moss um, was the most freakish. And man, you get stuck at Georgia Tech with a triple option, and then you go to the damn Lions. <laughs> like, what happened? How, how did that? I mean, what bad karma is that? And Six even, dudes would cover him on every pass. Yeah, it, it's... Uh, you know, and what could have been, and then the Lions, man, that's two generational talents that retired at 30. Um, what are y'all doing? You know, yeah, wow, yeah, that's a great point. And, and <laughs> they take your soul and they stomp all over it, man. Yeah, <laughs> it might have wasted the majority of a generational talent in Matthew Stafford. Yeah, I'm telling you, we'll find out in LA how good he is this year. Yeah, I mean, he, he's, he's been great. Well, I wouldn't say great in Detroit. He was he was really really good in Georgia, um, five yards probably away from the championship. Okay, yeah, that was the year that Notre Dame was on the other side, right? So whoever won that Alabama uh, Georgia game was going to roll Notre yeah. Dame. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, one play away from a national championship in Georgia. Anyone else? One thing. No, I was just going to say about Calvin Johnson. I know his mom was a big influence in his life. He was also reportedly like an amazing baseball player. 
a five yeah. star in one service, a four star in the other. Yeah, I, I mean, Georgia Tech has always kind of been that triple option offense. I don't remember his quarterback in what ninety four or whenever the hell it was. Joe two thousand five, believe. Oh my gosh, Wait. that guy was wasn't he like five no. foot seven or something? Was it not no, he, no, that was no, that's. That's way too long ago. Yeah, Joe that Hamilton. Tiny, Joe Hamilton, that was one of the teams that beat Bobby Bowden in Florida State. Uh, no, no, I don't think so. Hold on, we'll pull but it up. The thing about you know he had Chan Gailey as an offensive coordinator who was a great recruiter, and I, I don't think his mom wanted him to go too far away. But uh, yeah, that's not where receivers go to become top fifteen receiver talent wise in the history of the league. There's no doubt about that. Who was the coach? No, I wasn't even in college. Oh, not the coach. Chan Gailey, but the quarterback. Joe oh. Hamilton was. I'm looking Dude, at that up. guy was like Doug Flutie, like a midget. No, yeah, Chan Gailey. Tech football stats, uh, which would have been his senior year. The leading passer, well, I was close. It was Reggie Ball. 2000s. Oh, gosh. Joey, Ham- Joey Hamilton had to have been in the late nineties. But I agree with with uh, Randall in the sense it doesn't really matter. Those guys were not exactly like dudes where a great receiver would want to go play with. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about a couple of guys real fast, and, and these are these are going to date me, but. Um, and I know you guys never seen them unless you saw the NFL film things. Howard Carmichael was a six foot eight wide receiver in the seventies, before the era of Megatron, before the era of think. Think LeBron James playing wide receiver. He had that kind of body, and he was just a freak of nature. And I remember he used to get in a huddle, and remember back in the seventies, linemen were maybe six one, six foot, two hundred and forty pounds. <laughs> And you would see six eight Howard Carmichael in the in the huddle with these guys and just towering over everybody on the team. And was I it think Philly? Was, is, huh? was that was it Philly? 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 Yeah, played with Ron Jaworski. Got the one Super Bowl with Dick Vermeil. Oh, wow. Wilbur Montgomery, pretty good football team. Played on a lot of bad teams. A guy close to my heart because I loved. I lo- I got to see him play in the Super Bowl, and it may be the only reason he's on the list. But I thought Isaac Bruce made the Rams teams dangerous. He was Tariq Hill before Tariq Hill. He was the guy that could get downfield. You know, it's like greatest show on earth. And I mean, this was before all the run and gun and throw it around. It was kind of revolutionary back in, I think it was 2099, that they were doing this and throwing the ball for 400 yards. Do we have to talk about the Titans Super Bowl loss? Uh, no, we don't. Corey um, Holt, Ricky, Ricky Prohl, right? Like that was a great. They, you know that they were Marshall Falk, minor detail. They, they, that team reminded me of the '98 Vikings team, who somehow inexplicably lost to the Falcons at home. Fifteen or no, right? Yeah, missed the field goal. The guy missed the field goal to the Dirty Bird. And then the, the field goal and hadn't missed a field goal all year. Right. Randy Moss and Chris Carter. Yep. Oh man, that team versus that uh 
Broncos team would have been. I would have murdered him. I was praying for it. Didn't happen. So the next guy I want to talk about real fast. It was before my time too, but Alex Karras was a dominating football player for the Lions and was suspended from the NFL for gambling for a year. Him and Paul Horning both were dismissed. I think the fact that he was dismissed from the NFL probably kept him out of the Hall of Fame until now. But the guy outside of football, and, and I hate to use this reference, but it's the only one at that time that replies. Him and O.J. Simpson may have been the two most popular athletes post-career that existed. He was Mongo in um, in, in the, the great Mel Brooks movie. What is that? Blazing Saddles. Blazing Saddle. Oh. He was Mongo. He had a TV series in West West for what Webster. Webster. He was just a great and about about. He was a great thing for football. The two of them it? and uh, Dick Buckus. Yeah. To me, were that like Peyton Manning. They became TV and pop culture icons, and yeah, great player that people didn't know about. But I know tons of people that also in Porky's. <laughs> Great movie. Uh, yeah, he was important. And, and yeah, I people don't realize he was Tom, a dominating player. I want to talk about Tom Flores just for a second. And, and it's not kind of the butter Rogers chain here, but the got nothing to be bothered. with me. How do you follow John Madden as a head coach? And somehow he figured out how to do it. He record he pulled Jim Plunkett out of the scrap heap. And won a Super Bowl. He he was a guy I didn't ever think would get in the Hall of Fame, but was most worthy of it. I really think this 21 class, though, Alan Fanica might have been the best offensive lineman of his era. Tom Flores, a much underrated Colt. Calvin Johnson. Also a no quarterback, doubt. by the way. Yeah, played 10 years in the AFL. Calvin and Johnson. the first Mexican immigrant ever to make the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Calvin Johnson, the most decorated wide receiver in his era. John Lynch, another one of those safeties that would just knock your lights out. Uh, won titles. Peyton Manning, I don't know who Bill Dunn is. I didn't see that one. I'm sorry. Drew Pearson maybe was part of one of the most dramatic plays in NFL history. The Hail Mary with Roger Staubach in the playoffs against the Vikings. And as much as I don't like him, they said it on the broadcast. Charles Woodson was a shutdown corner that became a shutdown safety in the NFL. And there's a handful of guys that could accomplish that. And Charles Woodson never stayed anywhere too long. I mean, he he was a Raider for quite a while. He went to Green Bay, came back to the Raiders, I believe, for a year. So I, 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 really, I really thought Charles Woodson was uh, one of a kind. But there's no way he deserved the Heisman. And that's my last word on that one. Anybody else on the Hall of Fame? I'm not going to get into that one. But, uh, yeah, I mean, think about how great you must be <laughs> as a shutdown corner and then change positions. Like, that's not the easiest thing in the world people think so. He also played strong, by the way. He played free and strong. Either side of the – you know, even towards the end, he played nickel – like, just an amazing football player. And, yeah, I mean, there were certain – I'm not going to go in the Heisman thing. Uh, if he doesn't make that one-handed interception and the Big Ten isn't stronger in the SEC, 
Uh, yeah, it's probably a different story, but it doesn't matter. They're both great players, and to Peyton's credit, he's one of the classiest dude. Exactly, and Peyton's so classy. He never mentioned it, said anything about it, diminished anything. He gave him props even from the time he was 21, which just, you, you know, you real quick, you talk about Peyton Manning. I mean, it's just much respect, and, and that translated. That's universal. Um, but, yeah – just an amazing player that that was a great leader. Yeah, he went to Green Bay for like seven years, I think. He was in Oakland for uh, eight, I believe. Then Green Bay for six or seven, then three more years in Oakland. Uh, and he was a difference maker, man. I mean, just wow. Robbie, did you get to hear Peyton Manning's speech, by the way? I did. I, I looked him up on YouTube today, uh, both Peyton and Charles Woodson. Um, well, I, I would be interested. I'm going to try to look this up when we get off the air. I wonder how many one and two first and second place finishers in the Heisman are in the Hall of Fame together. Not not necessarily the same class, but just in the Hall of Fame. I'm in general, yeah. That's a great question. Um, uh, I thought Charles Woodson's was emotional, um, and it was great. Um, and I thought Peyton's angle was unique, very well thought out, and very much about the future of football. Um, and the other takeaway I had, whenever, especially us in Tennessee, whenever we hear uh, Peyton's name being thrown out either loosely or seriously for political office, um, that speech was very much a, uh, a, a trying to create a movement um, to do things. And Wait, so, I thought he was going to be head coach at Tennessee, according to 90% no, of Knoxville. Damn it. No, John Gruden's the next coach. Don't you know this by now? <laughs> Touche. Um, and so, but I thought it, it, it was a good call out. Um, I didn't like how they limited them to such short time it, it could have been better yeah you know and uh raj and i are both attorneys by trade and uh if you say hey give us an hour to talk hey that's the easiest thing to do in the world give us 10 minutes to talk and, and that gets very difficult and awesome. so i and i thought that uh i didn't like how it was rushed uh, i wish they would have given them as much, not as much time as they wanted but at least some some time to you know get what they want to do and say a lot because i know peyton had to say hey i've said thank you to a lot of people before i couldn't do it tonight because of the time constraints and that just you know because cut cliff didn't get mentioned and we all know anyone who's followed peyton and the manning family knows how important the cut cliff uh david Cutcliffe is to the man and that was just it just if you know peyton you you know Oh, that just felt bad for him not to be able to give a real shout out to him. I agree with that a hundred percent. And you know, um, and we'll go to the bet your nuts after this. Uh, we lost Raj. Uh, it was odd. They did a thing when he was inducted and, and they brought all the head coaches back. He'd ever played for, but they also brought David Cutcliffe up to present, you know, I didn't see that. And, uh, and it was like when he got found out he was going into the hall of fame and, and I really think Peyton doesn't go to Tennessee to play for Phil Fulmer. 
He went to Tennessee to play for David Cutcliffe, and I think that's way overlooked. Um, we'll see if Rods makes it back. I, I, you know, it, I hate to lose him right here at the end, but to be honest with him, Robbie, you're on such a roll. I don't even know if we need him for bet your nuts. I mean, uh, I mean, could you get one more pick right in a row? I mean, go ahead, well, brag on yourself a little bit. Well, yeah, so um, as you guys know, yeah, I picked Atlanta, United, and Montreal to draw at 2-2. Two to two. Um, I don't know who all watched that match. Um, it was nuts. There was goals. There was met, near misses. Uh, Montreal got off to a 2-0 start. Then Atlanta scored two in a row. Uh, they they lost 12 in a row now. Um, but they have signed a new uh, left wingman now. They broke their losing streak, and so hopefully things are in the right direction for Atlanta. I don't know if there's enough time for them to get back and seriously to the playoff hunt, but uh, Atlanta's spending some money, which is good, and hopefully they'll build on this momentum, hopefully in a year, and then roll into next year. As far as – oh, and then um, this was not on the show, but um, – He did text me pre. So Sunday, uh, yeah. Well, which is which – is, I don't know why I was such a coward. I usually always bet a hundred bucks on all of these, but I ended up betting fifty on Kyle Larson on Saturday or Sunday. Um, he won, so won four fifty on that, I believe. Or two fifty, no, two fifty on that. Won four fifty on Atlanta United. Uh, uh, Barry James, hopefully you're watching. He joined me on the Atlanta United bet, so uh, he cleared some cash too. Um, and then, so for my bet the nuts pick this week. Um, man, if it's not broke, don't try to fix it. Kyle Larson is having one of the best seasons uh, on the NASCAR circuit since Jimmy Johnson was dominating. Uh, well, I guess Hamlin and uh, Harvick did well uh, the first year of COVID. Uh, it's plus 280. Don't love the number. Chase Elliott's plus 210. So Chase Elliott's the favorite, plus 210. Larson's plus 280, though, so I'll take the – better driver this season for slight better odds. I'm going with uh, Kyle Larson at plus 280 to win the brick yard on Sunday. I like it. And I'll bet a hundred this time. Rods, do you have your, uh, you have your picks ready? Um, you know, I did. It was centered around tonight uh, with the Dodgers, obviously, because that's the thing I know the best. Uh, they're winning four nothing in Philly, a, a team that I guess you guys are all Dodger fans, you Braves fans. Go, Dodgers. Uh, go, go, go Dodgers. Exactly. Um, you know, the Phillies have won what eight in a row. Uh, it, it was surrounded by two out of three out of the series, but only because tonight we had Scherzer going. There was a huge rain delay, so he was put out. Aaron Nola was put out. By the way, put out meaning like they didn't come back. Nola threw. And the Dodgers without Mookie Betts and Justin Turner, uh, two all-stars, and also the two guys with the lowest strikeout rate, the best contact hitters on the team. The Dodgers had seven strikeouts out of the first nine outs. Not that anybody cares. Um, but, yeah, that was my bet, my nuts, and I had it on, like, a piece of paper here, which means it's proof positive. But, uh, yeah, it was tonight with Scherzer. Uh, it was basically two out of three in the series. Uh, I'll stick with it only because uh, tomorrow is uh, Vanderbilt, the Vanderbilt legend David Price, and then Julio Urias on on uh, Thursday. 
thing I don't like about Thursday is it's a 10 a.m. start for the West Coast. Uh, not sexy, bet you're nuts. Uh, it's also August, so what am I supposed to do? Last week, I won on the Dodgers. I took the under, and they ended up scoring just over the over, so I lost, even though I only bet on the Dodgers, so I, I did win that. Um, so, yeah, Dodgers two out of three in Philly, two first-place teams. Uh, Dodgers with crazy injuries, and I'm sandbagging, but including Mookie Betts and Justin Turner, which sucks. Uh, pitching staff, half of them are dead, but I, I think we got enough to win two out of three. Okay, so I'm going to pull my first upset out of my – I'm on the a, a, AFC – North, and I really don't know if this is an upset, but they are not the favorite. You can get plus 145. Y'all ready? In the NFC North, I pick the Cleveland Browns to win the division. You mean the AFC North? AFC North. The Cleveland Browns. I'm trying to do a fantasy draft here, and I just drafted (laughs) a a Green Bay Packer. I'm sorry. How many leagues are you in real quick? Uh, I'm just doing five. I've cut down. I've I cut it down from three to two. Ask me how many yeah. I care about actually winning. Exactly I'm, one. I'm only in one. Yeah. Um. Through through my friend uh, Philip Chaplin, our buddy Chappie, I'm playing in a couple of Doctor Roto le- uh, leagues, and I want to plug that for him. It's uh, DrRoto.com. Okay. They're now taking subscribers. You go on and you get Chappie's articles. You get my buddy Lou Landers' articles. It's really going nice for them. Them guys have got something really nice going. Um, they really do. Out. I'm not joking, man. I checked it out. I, I, I'm old. I've checked out a lot of stuff through the years. That's a solid website with solid information. Good job. Uh, back to Randall, though. Uh, wow, you're you're dissing Baltimore, which I agree with you. Cleveland's on the rise, but Baltimore's arguably gotten better. So we'll see. Uh, also, an update in the dynasty draft I'm taking. Uh, I will let my last words be. In my first four rounds of picking, I want y'all to hear this team. Now, this is a two-quarterback dynasty league, and everybody's running quarterback. I've drafted How many years is the dynasty? This is the first year, initial draft. But how, how long does the dynasty go for? I forgot. Like, do you have any amount of years or no, this like a minimum three years? Or so? Oh, This one will go forever, hopefully. In the first overall pick, I took Christian McCaffrey. With my second round pick, I took Devontae Adams. With my third round pick, I took Travis Kelsey. Everybody's drafting rookies and kids. I'm going to win this year. Uh, I just took Jalen Hurts, which I think is a great upside quarterback. I got I, I honestly, I don't like any of your four picks, but that's just me. <laughs> hey, you know what I'm thinking if I got number one? Rods, just for that, you have to go first on your last words. Son of a... So, in my last words, I'll talk about Randall's dicey draft. Uh, number one, you got... Dynasty-wise, I don't know if McCaffrey's going to stay alive. Uh, number two, Devontae Adams is essentially tied to Aaron Rodgers. Sorry, man. The worst thing in the world is to undermine your confidence after, like, the SAT, after a test, or after your fantasy draft. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to go for number three. 
Kelsey, yeah, it's fine. Uh, what is he? Thirty-eight. Uh, I forgot number three. Who's number three? Jalen Hurts. Hurts. I mean, he, he's one draft away from being a receiver. Yeah, I'm trying to decide right now between Miles Sanders and, and, and again, this is a two quarterback league. I take and I got to get young at some point. Miles Sanders or Justin Fields is my debate right now. Ugh. That's crap soup. I mean, I could take uh, a wide receiver. Michael Thomas is still out there. No, I don't take him. He's definitely down down slope. The question is, most dynasty leagues I've been in, and, and we're going to digress here, but like they've had X amount of years. I mean, can you keep this guy for how many years is the question. Uh, I, usually they last about five years. I would expect okay. five years they peter out. I'm, dude, Sanders is, uh, I would, you already have a Philly quarterback, and he's going to be their running back, so I would go with Sanders. That's good. But yeah, thing. I'm still debating. Your team is going to suck. I hate to say that, but it's going to suck. <laughs> yeah. As you, yeah. Hey, semi, semi-final <laughs> Randall is going to semi-final Randall. Yeah. In the loser's bracket. All right, Robbie, you get the next one. Okay, so as a, I guess, a newly found journalist, I have some breaking news for everybody. Ooh. Uh, I've got sources that are saying that uh, a certain uh, Brandon Chain will be coming down from Franklin to uh, Davis Kessler and Davis on Tuesday for a little wow. live appearance in our uh, fantasy nice. drive previews. So, like so, Clay, he got the permission as well. The permit, the hall pass. Yeah, the, the hall pass is out in full effect. Uh, wow. we, I'm gonna work on some. I'm gonna work on some tea times. For that Tuesday morning, and see if we can get a, get a day off and play. Um, so that should be fun. Uh, the other final words I have to say: uh, you guys have obviously known about my feud with DraftKings and their uh, some product. Well, so today I was playing around with your bet your nuts pick and seeing all about the payouts and all that. So. Bet in MGM has a parlay generator, so you can take you can say how much you want to win. I love that site. And, yeah, and you can slide the scale up, and you, totally. it's a fifty dollar bet, and you can say you want to win twenty thousand dollars. It will ra- random generate your best odds of doing that. And so, for the degenerates out there uh, who like free money, uh, I am I am going to start playing it. It's a Practically a lottery ticket without having to go to the store. It's and kind so, of like a nice stripper, but still, it's a lot more fun and more scientific and logistical. Uh, yeah. They're not going to mess you over like the way that uh, DraftKings does. I, I like the site quite a bit. Oh, well, they'll mess you over. Plus, they've got Jamie Foxx. So, Jamie Foxx yeah. is pretty sweet. Yeah. Um, and, and, that's, and then also... Uh, <laughs> Man, we are uh, two weekends from the fantasy draft. Uh, Labor Day's coming up. College football starting. The NFL's looking all systems to go. Um, we say this all the time. Everyone, 
do your part. Let's don't blow football season. I, I've seen Jazz Fest getting canceled. I've seen the new Bonnaroo mandates. Uh, get vaccinated, fools. Yeah, get va- vaccinated, and let's let's get this moving back in the right direction. Um, I know Hamilton County's doubled their ICU beds in the last week. Let's just let's, let's stay on, stay vigilant. I don't know no one wants to hear my scientific rant, but that was my short little spiel of it. Um, thanks for watching. We do appreciate everyone that does watch, and um, next week should be awesome. Now, we do need to bring our phones, even though we're in the same room. We'll need to use the cameras off the phones. It'll be a very similar setup, but hopefully we won't have to use all of it. All right, Thanks let's, for telling let's, us that let's, live. Let's get off here, and then let, let's talk real quick about how it's going to work. So, again, from right now scheduled from three hours, 8 to 11 is what I put in there. And we'll, 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 we'll see if we make it three hours. I, I have to bring my daughter at some point. So uh, I'll have to get her home at a decent hour. Can she drive? Because I think she's like 13, but I need Uber's been tough and I need to get home. And from down from yeah. north side, uh, it's going to be get, tough. We will, we will get you home. So <laughs> Yeah, Rand's our sober driver. Yeah, I, nah, man. I live in BFE. Unless he's going to Knoxville for the first Tennessee game, it's kind of out of the and way. You, and you never know. You never know. I did. I did get that worked out today. I know you're loyal as hell, and I appreciate you being loyal. And I was severely down, so thank you. Rod Meta, Robbie Davis, Randall Cunningham, and No Japan didn't get a silver medal in men's basketball. <laughs> we wrap it up. Women's, bro. Women's. Same thing. All right.